Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And in today's episode, I'm excited to announce that I'm joined by former Cincinnati Bearcat and former NFL offensive lineman, Kendall Calhoun. Kendall, welcome on to the podcast. I'm extremely excited to have you on today. Hey, Mason, I appreciate you having me on, man. Nah, I mean, I appreciate you. I know I'm not, you know, one of the, the big dogs out there, but I appreciate <laughs> you taking a chance on me, though. But, oh, for sure, man. I appreciate you saying reaching out because I know a lot of people are trying to get their names out there. So I see you hustling, trying to get yours out. Hey, I appreciate it. And uh, Kendall, before we actually do start talking about, you know, your long journey to, you know, get to the uh, place you were, you know, you got to. Let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, your background, where you're from, when you started playing football and just some of the little details that maybe your you know normal person may not know about you. Okay, well, um, I was born and raised in Paducah, Kentucky. It's a really small town out in Western Kentucky. Started playing football in about second grade. But back in second grade, I was so big that I actually played with the fourth and fifth graders. Oh, shoot. So, okay. <laughs> so that's how I fell in love with it, man. All the way back then. I got you. So, my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to ask. So, when you were growing up, were you always an you know offensive line type of kid, or did you kind of move around? Well, actually, back in those days in Little League, if you weighed over 100 pounds, you, could, you couldn't run the ball. So I guess I always kind of played line or linebacker on defense. I got you. I got you. So I didn't even realize that was a rule. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm from Texas. I didn't – I mean, I guess they yeah. don't really care too much. But, no, but that's actually kind of interesting, though, that they had a rule, like, depending on how much you weighed, which is kind of smart at the end of the day. But, anyway, I'll let, I'll let you keep going, just talking a little bit about yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So I um, played all through middle school, high school. I uh, won the state championship in football and track when I was in high school. I won the shot put and we won the football my freshman year. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, oh, you can go ahead. No, I was just about to ask, so were you a varsity? Because I know you said you came from a small town in Kentucky, but were you always a um, starter on varsity throughout all four years of high school? Um, no, I actually only start, I actually started my junior year. I started to play a little bit freshman, sophomore, but I really started to, um, play a lot my junior year and started all senior year. So. No, I got you. So you didn't really start gaining any type of momentum till, like you said, your junior year and you, you know, finally were getting it under your belt. And another thing I want to ask also is, were you ever really receiving any type of, I guess you could say power five interest throughout your high school career? Um, well, in between my junior and senior year, I was starting to hear a little bit, um, because obviously you have Louisville and UK in state. So I was hearing a little bit from them. So outside of that, that was pretty much it. Okay. Okay. And that kind of leads into what the next thing I want to talk about as we start talking about a little bit of your, um, early college career, because originally, you know, you didn't go to Cincinnati right off the rip. You actually went to, what was it? Um, uh, Kentucky State. Kentucky State, Kentucky State. My bad. I knew it was, I knew it was a state. I didn't remember which yeah. state. <laughs> but, Kentucky State. But uh, talk to me a little bit about your decision-making wanting to go to Kentucky State because from when I looked at like 24-7 and all that, you did hold an offer from Miami of Ohio. So kind of what was your decision-making when you made your college choice? Okay. So with that, I um, I had an offer from Miami and I was getting a lot of interest. And here comes near signing day and things like that. And I had, I was academically ineligible due to a grade that I actually got as a freshman in high school. Oh. Enough. And it haunted me all those years back. 
So I had a decision to either go to junior college with, which at that time when I lived in Maryland, when I lived in Kentucky, um, there wasn't any junior college anywhere near there. So I was like, that's not an option. And I had this offer from Kentucky State where I could stay in state. And I actually kind of always had plans to transfer to a D1 from that D2. So I felt like that was the best decision for me and my family. So oh, okay. Yeah. I know. And I mean, unfortunately, there is a lot of like academic rules and some weird things that a lot of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of athletes don't ever know about until they're about to make their decision. I know I've talked with a couple guys that, you know, they could have gone to Bama, Mississippi State and all that. But they, they ultimately had to end up going uh, D2, like you said, because Kentucky State was D2, right? Yeah. You know, ultimately had to end up going D2 just due to, you know, some weird academic loophole that, you know, you had, like you said, during your freshman year. But kind of just talk to me a little bit what it was like, actually, because, you know, D2, D3, JUCO, whatever, you're still playing college football. So what was it like your first season playing at the next level after high school? Honestly, like those days, it was so it was really fun because I was just living out like what I always wanted to do. Um, HBCUs, we have games called classics where other teams play at the neutral state, at the neutral stadium. So actually as a freshman, I got to play in Lucas oil field. Oh, freshman, shoot. One of that's, my first games. Yeah. That's cool. Who, who'd y'all end up playing in that game? Um, we played a team called central state. Those are rivals. They are uh, located in Ohio. Oh, okay. That, so that's, so that's pretty cool. So that was y'all's first game of the season, right? So you're playing one of y'all's rivals and I didn't even realize that Kentucky state was actually an HBCU because you know, nowadays HBCUs are kind of on the rise with coaches like Deion Sanders, you know, he's kind of redirecting and it's, I mean, it's, it's a really exciting time in college football. So, so kind of what was it like? Uh, I mean, I know you were talking about it already, but what was it, you know, what was it like playing at an HBCU? Um, it was like fun. It was a completely like new experience for me. I'm saying a small town kid, but like just seeing the band, the homecoming atmosphere, like the culture and everything you experience there is just like you learn the history of the school. Like it's, it's definitely um, a one of a kind experience. I was about to say that I I know definitely from you know watching some some of the bands from like Alabama A and M, Florida A and M. You know you also got Southern. You know those bands are electric, so I couldn't even imagine being a player and then having those bands up in the stands playing music for you. So was that kind of cool being able to you know be in such a rich tradition? Yes, definitely. And with the HBCUs, they play during in between plays. So in between the whistles, they can let the bands play. So you're out there trying to get calls. You hearing the band blaring? It's definitely a crazy experience. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So. So kind of just talk us through a little bit how your uh, your freshman year went. Do you feel like you performed at the level you wanted to? Or just kind of talk to us a little bit throughout how that whole year went for you. Okay. So that year for me, um, it really went how I wanted it to go. Like our team, we weren't too good overall. I believe we finished like three and seven or eight, one of those two. But um, I feel like I played really well. And as a freshman, I was – playing alongside like red shirt seniors and playing against guys like five, six years older than me. And I was still excelling. <clears throat> so that really contributed me towards leaving and going to junior college. But I know we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, right. no, you're, you're good. Yeah. You're kind of, 
you know, you kind you kind of already know how we're gonna be doing the whole episode. You're already going down the timeline and everything. Yeah. Um. So let's, let's talk a little bit. So you did decide after your uh, freshman year, correct, that you wanted to go to JUCO and bet on yourself because obviously JUCO is where you make or break. So kind of what was your decision making and wanting to go from a D two school to uh, JUCO? Yeah. Okay. I had a friend that I actually uh, played in the all-star game with in high school and he went to this junior college. So we were trying to find junior college to go to. And um, they previously had a, the number one tackle in junior college actually went to this school. So they had a very big uh, O-line history, like their alumni all went D1. So I was like, that seemed pretty good. Like one the college. And um it was really a hard decision because I had to move from Kentucky where my family and everyone is to move in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, like Northeast Pennsylvania. Like, have you seen the office? Oh yeah. Like, uh, Scranton. Uh, yeah, Scranton, Scranton. I almost, I almost said Pranton for some reason, but yeah, Scranton. Uh, uh, yeah. So up there, like that's where we were. So it was just like crazy to me just being so isolated. And I actually had to walk on too. So I took a really oh, big leap of faith in that. So yeah, I walked on to junior college. So um, so what community college did you actually end up going to? Um, Lackawanna College. Okay, that, that sounds so familiar. I swear I've heard it from somewhere. Like it might have been because you said they have produced some pretty solid offensive linemen, but so what yes. was it like, you know, th- that transition? Because obviously you know, D2, D1, D3 is a whole different type of scenario compared to JUCO because JUCO, you don't have as many resources. You don't have as many, I guess you could say, facilities and everything like that. So kind of what was it, what was it like transitioning from decent-sized college football to now you're playing at JUCO? Um, it was a really big change. Um, I mean, we were in the stadium. There's like like a hundred people in the stands, like no band, no cheerleader, no none of that. It's just you all out there playing. And um, really it was, um, you know what I'm saying? I had to, you had to bring your own gloves, cleats. If you wanted some tight socks, any of that, that was all on you. So. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've talked to a couple guys that went to JUCO, but I didn't even realize like, you know, you actually had to bring, you know, all of your pretty, not equipment necessarily, but you had to bring all the other little necessities, you know, to yes. practice, game day, everything like that. But um, talk me through a little bit how, you know, your time at Lackawanna actually went because, you know, you started to actually gain some attraction. So just kind of walk us through that, I guess, would be your sophomore season. Yes. So um, Lackawanna, I walked on. So in junior college, they have like, it's like tryouts. So in the spring, you'll have like, 150, 175 guys on the team trying to make it. So of course I walked on. So I was probably the probably third tackle starting off in spring on the depth chart. So um, I worked my way up. Um, it was the time I got sick and I lost a lot of weight. Oh shit! And I, so I had a few setbacks, but. Near the end of spring ball, there was actually an injury to the guy in front of me. And I was at practice. And it was a day that I'll never forget the Southern Miss was there scouting. And um, I just played lights out. And at, after the, at the end of that practice, Southern Miss gave me an offer. And I got the uh, starting spot. And it just, from there, 
it just went up. I get two offers a day, three, one, talking all different types of coaches and everything. So it was like really a crazy difference between being in uh, Division Two and then JUCO. Man, that's I mean, but that's an absolute blessing, though. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, obviously, you know, someone got, you know, had to get injured in order for you to get there. But seriously, I mean, that's a blessing that, you know, you took probably arguably the biggest like risk, I, I guess you want to say, going from, you know, D2 down to JUCO to bet on yourself to be able to get up to an even higher level. And you actually, you know, you did it, you performed, you got that first offer. So what was it initially like when you, I mean, obviously Southern Miss is D1 football, it's FBS football, it's, you know, towards the highest level of college football. So what was it like when you did get that official or that first initial offer? Oh, the funny thing about it, when I got the offer, he was like, yeah, can we offer you a scholarship? I was like, it's like a real offer. Like I can commit if you if I want to. He was like, yeah, it's as real as offer you can have. I was like, dang. Okay, so <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, so I started off with a D one offer, and I was like, like a one A offer. So I was like, oh, okay. And I mean, I mean, hey, I mean that's that's a huge leap though, especially from walking on to a JUCO, and now you're getting offered by all these you know big time college football programs. So yeah, like <clears throat> um, five months prior to that, I was playing Division two football. Like, so it's just crazy how not even half a year later, I was getting Division one scholarship offers. Like, they wanted me to come to the school. That is, that absolutely is. So if you don't mind, uh, talk us a little bit about some of the schools that actually, you know, recruited you, offered you, and had interest in you. Okay. Um, so I had a lot of offers, but mostly I had, um, or mostly like non-Power 5 that I had. But um, I had um, of course Cincinnati where I ended up going, Boise State, Purdue, UAB, San Diego State, um, um, UCF, UConn, schools like that. I um, actually, you know how I said when I was a freshman, I failed the, um, the class, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to that, there's actually was a rule. They don't have it anymore, but there was in junior college. If you weren't ineligible to come out in high school to division one for power five schools, you have to stay for junior college for at least three semesters. So I would have had to stay in Lackawanna for another semester because University of Louisville offered me because that's the school I really wanted to go to at the high school. Yeah. And I had the University of California and the Pac-12 offer me also. <clears throat> but I did not want to stay in there for yeah. another semester because it's rough in junior college. That, that is crazy. I didn't realize like something that literally happened your freshman year of high school would be affecting you so long up until literally you're about to make arguably one of the biggest decisions of your life. Like that is just I didn't even realize that that was a rule back then. Now, like you said, obviously, it's not there anymore, but. I mean, that that had to have been kind of crushing almost because, you know, your hometown school or, well, I guess you say the school you grew up liking in Louisville, you know, actually gave you an offer. Right. Yes. And, you know, you were you almost were able to go there. But, you know, you know, your path led a whole different direction. So kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your decision and why you wanted to act or why you ended up picking Cincinnati over, you know, other schools. OK, well, um. <clears throat> Of course, we know Cincinnati is right on the river between Kentucky and Ohio. And um, when I went on my official visit, I just had a great time. Um, Darren Hiller is um, 
was my offensive line coach there at the time. I believe he's Indiana's offensive line coach. But yeah, he would come up all the time to Lackawanna to come and see me and watch me. And um, he really gained my trust and things like that. And um, of course I took the visit to Purdue, to Houston, Boise State. They were all kind of offering the same thing, but uh, Cincinnati, like, um, I truly like the culture. I took the visit, I saw the stadium, the jerseys, the city, it was just, it's so great to me, especially being from a small town and I'm like, dang, I'm about to go to college like in the city. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it's definitely probably it probably was a you know surreal moment because like you said, from a really small town in Kentucky, now you're playing at one of obviously the biggest colleges in all of college football. No, I know obviously they weren't dominating back then like they were, you know, nowadays, but oh, you know, Cincinnati was still a very solid program. So that had to have been I mean a huge leap. But um, if you don't mind, you know, talk to us a little bit about kind of how it was transitioning now that you're going from JUCO football to now you're playing at a D1 FBS, you know, program. Okay. Um, so transitioning from Lackawanna to um, Cincinnati, I um, actually, as you would imagine during college, of course, we didn't have like the best weight program and things like that. So um, I actually had to lose some weight and come back leaner and everything to play at Cincinnati. So I was doing extra workouts. Um, I came in the spring, I really wanted to play. And um, actually in our first scrimmage, I um, actually sprained my ankle very bad. It was a uh, oh, grade two or three, man. like the very first scrimmage in the spring. So um, I had to deal with that. So I sat out a while. I came back and it was still bothering me. So I didn't see many reps in the spring of um, 2016 with Cincinnati. So I was still like second on the depth chart that going into camp. <clears throat> and of course, during camp, I was getting reps with ones and the twos and I um, was trying to build confidence back up leading into the season. Um, in the first game, um, I played a little bit. <laughs> But after that, I didn't see any more action actually in my junior year. Oh, okay. So you section was hard from junior college to division one definitely was different. I got you. I got you. So like you just said, you played the season opener, but never really had any other, I guess you could say, game time throughout the season. So how did you kind of keep your mindset and you know your physical shape, you know, intact and keep, you know, reminding yourself that hey, my opportunity will eventually come. So kind of what did you do to keep yourself, you know, mentally prepared for whenever your name did get called? Um, it was really hard. I had um I used to speak with my mom all the time. She was actually a um all-American sprinter at the University of Kentucky in the 1980s. Oh, okay. So I um would get a lot of I speak with her a lot, and my teammates would always be encouraging me. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult time to get through, but I know what I wanted to do, the goals I wanted to achieve, and I knew that I um, had to play to get there, so I had to do whatever I felt was right and would get me there. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, it's kind of been a trend throughout your whole football career and everything like that. You know, you've battled adversity, whether, you know, it was going D2, you know, you didn't go to the level you wanted to, but, you know, went D2, then you took another risk on yourself going to JUCO. You know, you just always seem to be able to get through all the adversity and obstacles that are faced, you know, right in front of you throughout your whole life. So 
now that we're going into your senior year, you actually did start to gain some momentum. So talk to us a little bit about your senior year at Cincinnati. Okay. So our senior year, um, I, uh, our coaches, we went, um, uh, we went four and eight and our coaches got um, fired. So we had new coaches in. I um, got off as a line coach, uh, Ron Crook. He actually recruited me at West Virginia while I was in junior college. So me and him knew each other pretty well. Um, I had a great spring, played really well. And in the second to last scrimmage, I tore my hip flexor in my right hip. Oh, shoot. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I sit out the rest of spring. Um, I sit out a little bit in camp. Um, I um, split reps during camp to come back just on time. And um, I'm getting ready for the season. So I worked through all that year, that new injury right there. And I actually tore my hamstring in my right leg also. Man, you couldn't um, before, escape the injuries. Yeah, I know it was bad. Like, but before that, I yeah, I took the hamstring in the right um, leg, and that was before the hip. And I came back, I rehabbed that, and came back, and then the hip happened. So, man, yeah, it was tough. So, um, made it through that. When we get to our first game, and I started and. The rest was pretty good. The first game was um very relieving. It was really emotional for me because like the plan that I had at like in 20, 2014, 2013, like finally came to action all these years later. Like like you know what I'm saying I waited like four years. I was grinding all those years just for this moment right here. And it was just surreal to me. Absolutely. And uh, I also want to ask you, what was your favorite game throughout that season? Because, you know, Cincinnati was in the American and, you know, there were some sneaky good teams in that conference. So what was your, you know, personal favorite game that you played during your the uh, your senior season? We, um, well, we played against SMU on homecoming. It game went into overtime. We unfortunately lost, but that game was like really, it was a really good battle. Like we were up front, we were pretty evenly matched and offenses were great but yeah it was a really good game so, i got you i got yeah, you and and you kind of were like the first class and you know kind of shaping the future of cincinnati you know bearcat football because obviously as you know now they made it to the college football playoff last season you know they had a couple nfl picks so how's it kind of been looking at your you know alumni school and being like okay you know we kind of did change the whole culture of the of the program Oh, definitely. Me and uh, my friends, we joke and say we were the sacrifice so they could be great. Now, y'all are the guinea pigs, pretty much. Yeah, we were the, the sacrifice. <laughs> we were those fickle sacrifice. <laughs> oh man, that's. But I mean, it, it'll way y'all kind of were, but you know, you did. You know, y'all definitely should be credited for changing once again that culture because I mean they've had so much success since then, winning the AAC. You know, almost beating Alabama, which is impressive enough, especially from a group of five schools. So, but anyway, enough about that. So you go throughout your senior season, your senior season is over. Now, were you invited to any like senior, uh, senior games? You know, you got like the senior bowl, you got the thing. It's like the all-star game or something like that. Were you invited to any of those like senior uh, games? 
Um, I played in the Tropical Bowl. It's like a smaller um, all-star game. It's in uh, okay. Daytona, Daytona Beach, Florida. So, yeah, I did that. I met with a few teams while I was there. And um, and right after that, I got back to training in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I got you. I got you. Do you feel like you performed pretty well during that game in front of scouts? Because I know that can put a lot of pressure on you, knowing especially that – okay, you know, I don't have the biggest resume out there like a lot of other guys, but, you know, I definitely have the talent, have the potential. So what was it kind of like playing behind a bunch of NFL scouts from pretty much, I'm guessing, all 32 teams were there? So what was it kind of like playing in that game, you know, having scouts looking down on you, grading literally every move that you make? Um, it was really a special moment. I just um, remembered, I just told myself to go out there and have fun and enjoy the process. So. I had a great group of guys that were on the line with me, and we went out and had a good time. No, that's that's good to hear. I'm glad that you know you took the you took the pressure really well. You know, you didn't fold. You know, I mean, obviously you've done that throughout your whole career, and especially in arguably one of the most crucial moments, you didn't do that. So, so kind of talk a little bit about the draft process because a lot of people, especially you know college football fans, NFL fans, they don't really know too much about how it actually is going through that whole process. So so if you don't mind, kind of just walk us through that whole process that you personally went through. Okay. Um, so after, so usually after all-star games in January, you go somewhere and train. Um, you, um, I went, like I said earlier, I went to perform in um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <coughs> And you train there to get ready for the your pro day. And either you get invited to the NFL combine or your pro day. And you know only a select few get invited to the combine. So um, I was training for my pro day. Pray that gums, like of course, all of the teams are there, all 32 teams are there with clipboards, taking down measurements, numbers, um, all that characteristics, all those things. And after your pro day, um, there's this thing called local days that NFL teams have. Actually, it's anybody that went to high school or college within, I believe, a, um, I believe it's a two-hour driving radius from the stadium. They will invite you to come in, and you will have a workout and a visit with all of the school's coaches. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did one with the Bengals, and I also did one with the Washington Redskins because um, my family had moved to Maryland, so I luckily could switch the addresses over and got the workout in with the then the Redskins. Oh, that's cool. No, that's that's actually really cool. So uh, I guess I guess I could also ask, how do you feel like you did in those workouts? Um, the Bengals, I think I did okay. I think I did the best. If you've ever been to Cincinnati, um, we went. It was pretty chilly out. Cincinnati, they don't have an indoor facility, so we were out there with jerseys and shorts on, Ooh, no. and it was a rough little workout. So. No, I, I was I was about to ask, aren't they the only NFL team that doesn't have an indoor facility? I think. I believe so. I think it's something it was, like. Oh man, wait. So wait. So what yeah. time? So was this? My bad. I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Was this yeah. kind of? Was this a late winter that you went? So like February ish. Oh. Yeah, it was like um, this was actually um, this is after pro day, so this is probably Marchish. But Ooh. in Cincinnati, the March is Ooh, still no. getting the thirties and forties. Yeah, I was about to say it's still bone chilling, and obviously, I mean, I'm from I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. You're from Kentucky. You you know, you know I mean, you know, you understand heat, right? And you know, it yeah. never gets 
you know, crazy cold. I mean, we'll have some winters that are kind of, you know, wonky, but, you know, that's not regular for us. So I can only imagine, especially playing in that type of weather, you know, for a workout for an NFL team. So, but, um, so talk us a little bit about how the, uh, the Redskins workout went. Um, the Redskins workout went pretty good. I had a uh, coach Callahan. He's, um, the, um, he's the, uh, Browns offensive line coach, I believe. Um, yeah, he was great. He, um, Actually, um, I believe when he was younger, he may have lived in Cincinnati. So we kind of linked and talked about that for a little bit. But, um, yeah, well, I did a really good workout with him. Oh, that's good to hear. So um, so you've gone through all, all the workouts. You've done all your pro days. You've done everything like that. Now, you know, if if I if I have looked correctly, you were undrafted, right? You didn't. Yes. OK. Um, Oh my, okay, so so kind of, how did you keep yourself up knowing that you still do have a chance to be able to make it to the NFL despite not hearing your name called on, you know, any of the three days throughout the NFL draft? Yes, it was kind of hard at first, but um, I'm a very honest person with myself. I knew that I only had the one season in Cincinnati um, on my resume, truly. So I knew that I was probably going to go, you know, very late or undrafted. So, um I was kind of anticipating that, but like I told you this whole journey, like um, I've always had my setbacks, so I wasn't surprised. I just knew how to handle that type of adversity. And um, so it went by and um, actually had um, two tryouts. I didn't even get a free agent contract. I had two tryouts is all I had, which is a rookie mini camp. So it's like when you're there for two days and you kind of practice with the rest of the um, rookies, the draft pick guys, and um, they have some practice squad guys that they uh, have do rookie minicamp also. So I had one from the Raiders and I had one from the Texans. So I did one with the Raiders. Um, I believe that was Groovin's. No, I don't think it was his first year. Never mind. But um, yeah, so I had to work out with the Raiders. It went okay. I didn't hear much back from them after that. And next week I had um, a workout with the Texans. So the workout with the Texans, it went pretty good. I um, I didn't lose any one-on-ones. I was always first in line doing drills and things like that. And something a lot of fans might not know is um, during a rookie minicamp, they invite out probably say like 70 guys out. Oh, shoot. Yeah, and they're all rookies. And um, we um, all um, practice things for two days. And sometimes they might sign someone and sometimes they might not sign anyone. Yeah. So all these guys were here out there in Texas and we were um, going through camp. And at the last day, um, they were like, um, yeah, if we want to sign you, we'll let you know. And they just walked out and we were like, oh, I guess they're not signing anybody. So everyone just started to walk out and the GM um, pulled me to the side and said, we're going to sign you. Me and um, another guy, he's actually a really good friend of mine. His name is Nick Thurman. He plays with the Falcons. Oh, okay. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just about to ask. So how did you feel initially when, you know, the GM of the Houston Texans pulled aside you and obviously your soon to be pretty good friend, you know, letting both y'all know that, hey, we do want to sign y'all. So what was your kind of initial reaction to that? I was really like surprised because, I mean, out of all those guys that were there, we were the only two that they took. 
Like, wow. So all those guys that came from all over, all different schools, like we were the only two that made it. So that was kind of a surreal moment for me. That's, I mean, that, but that's a blessing though. I mean, especially out of, you said like 70 something guys, you know, y'all two were the only ones that actually get signed. So you get signed, you know, you go through all that. So what was it like during your tenure with the Houston Texans? Um, it was really good learning experience. I, um, I got to learn with Coach Devlin. He was a really great offensive line coach. Uh, I believe he may be with the Bills, if I'm not mistaken, the Bills or the Steelers. Okay. But, um, yeah, I was going through learning with the veterans. It was cool. Like, and, you know what I'm saying, as a rookie, you get kind of like, dang, like, we're really here. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the locker room with J.J. Watt and Clowney and those guys. And it was just like, man, like, I could watching these guys on TV. I mean, that's – okay, yeah, so – I I I can I completely forgot to ask you that. What was it like being in a locker room with so many just stars? Like you said, JJ Watch, Davion Clowney, who was going into I think what his third year in the NFL. You know, what yeah. was it like being with all those superstars? You know, Kareem Jackson, you know, you had all of those studs on that team. So what was it like, you know, practicing against those guys too? Because you know, you go up against them every single day at practice. Yeah, it was really good. Um when I was there actually, um um, JJ was just recovering from surgery, so I didn't really get to go against those guys. But some of the veteran linebackers, like Whitney Merciless, we would have blitz periods, and we would try to pick up blitzes from those guys. And it was just like, it was crazy to me, like, how fast those guys are. It's just like some of my friends would ask me about it. I was like, in the NFL, really, it's just a three technique and a nose guard. So you have defense tackle and a nose guard, and everybody else is like a linebacker speed. It's like yeah. everybody else is just super fast. Yeah, I was about to say you've got you got defensive linemen running like four six forties, four five forties, and you're like, okay, that's not even like yeah. human like. And I don't think a lot of fans understand that when they give a lot of crud to offensive linemen, especially in the NFL, they're going against guys that you could legitimately call not human. Like, yeah. and that's why I kind of feel bad a lot of times for linemen because. Once again, you can't go a certain amount of yards anyway because you go three or more yards, you get called for I think what uh, lineman down the field or yeah, ineligible lineman downfield. Yeah, so so you so you don't have that same type of opportunity to be able to bull rush a lineman because, I mean, unless it's a run play, you literally have to stand pretty much in your position. So, but anyway, enough. Of, I don't want to keep ranting about that. But I mean, that had to have been a surreal moment going up against those guys because uh like you said Whitney Merciless who was an absolute beast with the Texans during his time you had Jonathan Joseph who I think was still with the Texans at that time you know just all these amazing stars so I also want to ask too how how big of a jump was it from playing college football to go to the NFL because a lot of things that you hear from coaches you know a lot of people you know a lot of times you hear it on hard knocks or just whatever you hear you know, the game's a lot faster. So kind of what was your experience when you did transition from college football to NFL? So when they say everything is faster, it's really every aspect. Like you have to learn to plays faster, practice is faster, your lift, you're expected to finish your reps under a certain amount of time. And the competition is literally faster. Um, sometimes in college, you can kind of take a bad step and still be able to run and cut off a defensive lineman. But if you come out of your stance a split second slower in the NFL, like they can blow right past you. So it is definitely a very high learning curve. Yeah, I couldn't imagine because it's literally like a one mistake you're out type of deal because there's always, you know, they always kind of like remind you all the time. There's always a guy to replace you. There's always going to be 
another guy to step into your role. So, but um, anyway, so, so you had your time with the Texans, you know, did you, so did you play any preseason games with them or were you just strictly practicing and everything like that? Um, I was on um, preseason. I mean, I was just practicing with them. I was just there doing OTAs. Oh, okay. I got you. Which, I mean, it's still impressive because a lot of guys never even get to even sign a contract with an NFL team. So, <laughs> so, um, so unfortunately you did, um, you did end up getting released from the Texans, but you know, your journey was not done there yet, you know? So talk to us a little bit about what it was like to eventually end up getting signed <laughs> by the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so yeah, after I was signed, so in the NFL, after OTAs, there's a little break period in between, um, July and when camp starts in August. So I got cut at the beginning of that break period. And since it was a break period and they weren't doing workouts, I was a free agent, like for a while. So I'd just be at home working out. And, um, after that, I, uh, I had a workout with the Jaguars before I signed with the Falcons. But um, so I did that workout one week and the next week um, I went down to Atlanta and worked out with the Falcons and I got signed there and they were actually already in camp. They were about a week away from the first preseason game. So I got you. And and, you know, the kind of cool thing, though, is once you did sign with the Falcons, you actually did make your first ever appearance in an NFL game. And what was that game actually that was the first game you ever played in the NFL? Um. We um, played the Jets up in um, up in New York, and um, yeah, it was crazy to me because I was just like, I was just so nervous because I was like, man, like, you know how long this buildup is to get here. Crazy. I mean, that's, but I mean, that's, you, you kind of have to almost have like a relief, not, not necessarily a relief, but kind of, it's kind of refreshing to know that all of that work that you put in for all of those years, it finally paid off as you were literally playing under the lights at MetLife Stadium, playing against the New York Jets as you're currently playing for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, it kind of has to feel like you're living in a dream, right? Yeah, definitely feel like a dream. Even so, I think about it now, I was like, man, that was cool. <laughs> I got so you. Was just yesterday it was years back. <laughs> I got you. I got you. And um, so how long were you actually with the Atlanta Falcons? Um, I was with the Falcons for about three weeks. So after the um the preseason game, I was released. I actually um when I was signed, I actually met with um coach Dan Quinn. Oh, okay. And I was signed because the tackle they had as their backup, he um I believe he broke his hand. And he was like, yeah, we need you to step in for this week. But um, Coach Quinn, he actually told me, he said, um, I'll let you play so you can get some film so you can go and play somewhere else just to give you an opportunity because it wouldn't be fair if you just came here and didn't play. So it would be, so be hard to be on another team. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really cool of Dan Quinn. I mean, he's one of the more <laughs> likable coaches in all of the NFL right now. You know, he's Definitely. currently D.C. for the Cowboys. So, but no, it's actually kind of cool that, you know, he, he was at least up front with you, but also at the same time, he made sure that you did get your own type of tape. So um, after you were released by the Atlanta Falcons, did you ever receive any other interest or anything like that from any other NFL teams? Uh, yeah, so after the Falcons, I – Actually, they actually um, had a workout with the uh, Redskins. A uh, honestly, they were on me pretty quick, like right after I was released. Okay. And um, I had a workout with the uh, Redskins probably four days later, and I got picked up by them. So I finished off my preseason with the Redskins, 
And honestly, my workout that I had with them back early in the spring with Coach uh, Callahan, I guess that really came back and helped me out. So I um, so I finished my preseason with the Redskins. I played a little bit. But um, with the Redskins, the best part for me is I um, getting to learn, like, from Trent Williams. That was just like. Oh, yeah, because he was he was still with the uh, well, he was still with the Redskins, you know, now whatever you want to say, you know, he, he was with them at the time. So how was it like, you know, playing behind a guy like that? It was like it was surreal, like cause he was really like not he was very knowledgeable. He would coach up a lot of the younger guys and it was really cool. It was a great experience. Because, I mean, he's arguably the best left tackle in all of football right now. And even during his time at Washington, he was regarded as one of the best. So. How did he kind of help you better yourself at your position, you know, learning from a guy that was an All-American in college and, you know, was a pro bowler in the NFL? Um, he would just hold everybody accountable, like, for mistakes and mishaps and misassignments. And um, Morgan Moses also helped me out. He played right tackle. But those two guys, they were very helpful for me, like, coming up and um, trying to get a shot at the NFL. They really helped me out a lot. No, that's but I mean that's really cool because uh my family, they're actually uh my mom's side, they're actually from the uh, Maryland area, like Frostburg and all that. So it's kind of so you know, they grew up Redskin fans and everything like that. So being able to watch, you know, all those guys, it's cool to know that I now know someone that played with those guys. Um, <laughs> but uh so after you know your tenure with the Redskins and everything like that, um, so did you kind of take a period off from football or did you immediately try to get back into the NFL? Um, I kind of took a period off. I had um, an agent at the time, so right after signing period, this is in 2018. So this is right before. Do you remember the Lions Football League? Yeah, the uh, that uh, AAF. Yes, yeah, I got so you. This is right before this was about to start up. So um, I really wanted to wait and see if I would get picked up on the practice squad by a team, but I kind of had a. Uh, my agent kind of gave me a decision. It was either to try to wait and see if a team will pick you up or sign with the Allegiant with the AF right now and I have something guaranteed. But if I wanted to go to the NFL, I would have to at least wait until that season started and then I have to see if they would release me. So um, we made a decision just to sign with the uh, AAF. And um, of course, they got shut down. So I was back at square one. Square hey, one I, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously the league didn't go as well as you know it kind of looked like it would. But what type? What team did you actually play with when you were uh, um, in the AAF? The Atlanta Legends. Okay, so they had um, God, who did they have on that team? Because you know Johnny, uh, Man, you had yeah, Aaron Murray was on my team, and uh, Denard Robinson from Michigan. Oh, he okay. Was on my team also, yeah, they had some guys. I mean, because, you know, Aaron Murray had an absolutely fantastic career at Georgia. Denard Robinson, you know, most famously known for wearing the number 98 as a quarterback in college. So, yeah. no, but it's, that's cool that you played with those guys. And, you know, unfortunately, I know the AAF didn't go the way that you probably wished it would have. But so after the the league just, you know, dismantled and everything like that, what was your next step that you knew you needed to take? Um, I just knew that I needed to get film like – urgency like I needed to play because at that point I hadn't played I hadn't played really since the um, preseason so I was like all right we need some more film and um so after that I am um, took a little bit of time off 
and I um, I signed with the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. Oh, okay. Briefly. Yes. So I um, did camp with the CFL. Um, it didn't work out as much as I thought it would. And um, I ended up getting released. Um, and I, after that, I was debating on playing some um, arena football, but I just felt like it wasn't really worth it. Like, what I wanted to do and versus what was going on. And um, this is when COVID was starting to approach us, so like early uh, 2020, late 2019. So I was like, oh, I'm not really about that arena life. So um, we took some time off, of course, during COVID, everything was shut down. And in 2020, I played in the spring league um, and with the, um, with the generals and um, we won the conference championship and things like that. Not too many guys got picked up from that because the spring league, um, that was the first year it was like very big. So not many people knew about it or were watching. So um, I did that, came back in 2021 and um, I played in the spring league again and didn't hear anything back from there. And at that point I was just like, you know, I went through college, played college football division one, got to step on the field and play in the NFL. I'm like, I really don't have, I really felt like I did what I wanted to do with football at that point. So I just decided to hang it out. I got you. So did you kind of, were you kind of, I guess you could say satisfied with how your career went? Like you feel like you were able to accomplish all the things that you had dreamt of as a, you know, little kid playing the sport. Uh, yes, honestly, I did because initially when I was playing, like when I was a little kid and I was in middle school, high school, my goal really wasn't to be in the NFL. I really just wanted to, I just wanted to be cool because I wanted to say I wanted to be the best offensive lineman to ever play at my high school. Like that you. was my goal up until then. And then I was like, oh, can take me this much farther so let's just see how far it could take me so it went from the college goal to the nfl goal so yeah it was just no but that's how i exceeded my expectations i had initially i got you and i mean i absolutely love like your story and how you know your path was definitely not the easiest as it could have been you know what i mean i mean you went through a lot of trials and tribulations and everything like that but once again you overcame it and were able, and were able to achieve a dream that less than 0.000, you know, some ridiculous number of high school players, college players ever achieve. So, I mean, that's just got to be a blessing in and of itself. And, I mean, another thing I want to ask you is, so what are you doing now outside of football? What are, what are, some, you know, what are some things you're working on? Or, you know, kind of what, what's your vision now for the future now that you have officially hung up the cleats? Oh, I um, – sometimes I train some kids that are offensive linemen, but um... – I trained some young high school kids. I did in Maryland, but now since I moved to Houston, not so much because I recently I am working HR for Amazon. So oh, okay. um, I create jobs and, and go over qualifications and things like that and screen people. So okay. I'm enjoying that a lot. I got you. I got you. So you're kind of just being able to finally, you know, just relax now you're able to find different things outside of football and i see that you and is that your wife I'm oh, that's my girlfriend oh your Kelsey. girlfriend okay 
I got you. I got you. Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all get, just got y'all's own. Uh, is it apartment or house together that y'all got? Um, apartment down in Houston. Okay, so you know, y'all just did that. So what was it like being able to do that now? You know, to be able to move in together and everything like that. Um, it was great, man. Um, she's been really supportive for me because she was with me during that transition period of me leaving football and figuring something else out, and she was really supportive that whole time. And, um, you know, I'm saying I really appreciate her and everyone else around me to help me because it was tough, you know, because up until then, I played football every year since I was six years old. Every single spring, every single like summer and spring, like I was playing football like every single year for all those years. And now the first year I haven't played it, it was just different. So I'm saying she really helped me out a lot. I got you. I got you. And, uh, you know, Kendall, I just want to thank you once again for, you know, coming on, doing this interview. I know it's a little bit more than the 25, 30 minutes I, you know, envisioned, but oh, I, abs- I absolutely love making it with you. You know, your story was absolutely fantastic. And for any of you guys out there that are listening to today's episode and you're kind of interested a little bit more about Kendall and everything, I will leave all of his socials, player card, everything like that. I will leave it all down in the description of today's episode. Please make sure to go show him some love. Kendall not only was an amazing player, he's an amazing human being. And thank you once again for coming on, Kendall. I had an absolutely fantastic fantastic time today. Mason, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, Kendall, you take care, man. I definitely... Definitely going to need to work with you in the future again, just talking about, you know, what you've been up to and everything like that. So, but, you know, all blessings to you and I appreciate you for coming on. All right. Thank you, man.